He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm wondering... Well, it's a delight to be with you, especially stuck in the middle with clowns and jokers surrounding us. And boy, they are surrounding us right now. They're all pushing the line of COVID. They're all saying, put those handcuffs back on. Put those uh, straight jackets back on. Uh, go back to being uh, restricted, told what to do, imprisoned, handcuffed. Uh, and they're saying it because of the Delta variety of the COVID virus. Despite the fact that it's evident that the COVID, that the Delta variety is less likely to kill you than the regular virus is. In fact, it's slightly more likely to kill you than normal influenza. But they're, they're going crazy about lockdowns. For example, they're seriously considering closing schools this year and not opening them in September. Well, that's absurd. Uh, the number of deaths among children under the age of four, or under the age of 17 for that matter, from the influenza last year are four times as much as from covid uh, and yet they're going to lock down schools and condemn kids to another year of essentially no education and no socialization as well. Uh, it's absurd. Uh, and the idea that we have to wear masks indoors, especially if we're vaccinated. Look, I'm vaccinated, so I'm immune. So why do I got to wear a mask? You know why? Because Joe across the street did not opt to have a vaccine. So I got to wear my mask to protect him because he won't get a vaccine. That makes no sense. And it's absurd to ask people to do that. So why are they doing this? Why is the left going crazy wanting to put us back in the handcuffs and put us back into the straitjacket? Why? Almost had the hooks in you, didn't you? Uh, the, the left and the government almost had their hooks in you, and now they're trying to get them into you again. Why? Well, there are a lot of theories about that. There's the idea that they love control, uh, that the left has some sort of mask fetish, <laughs> or that they're into a bondage, uh, or that they really like to get people used to obeying the government and doing crazy things. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, who was on uh, an hour ago, told me that he thinks that the mask might be becoming some sort of new fascist symbol like the brown shirts were. <laughs> and that's a good, a good thought. But I don't think it's really any of that. And I don't think the left has lost its mind <clears throat> to the extent it ever had one. I think that what's going on is that the left wants to panic us, wants to freak us out so they can get their spending bills through. The key here is Rahm Emanuel's quote, guy I worked with very closely in the White House and then became mayor of Chicago and is actually brilliant, even though he's screwed up ideologically. 
He said, never let a good crisis go to waste. You can do things in a crisis you can't normally do. You tell the American people I'm going to spend trillions of dollars, they scoff at you. They tell you you're crazy to get that, to go that far. But very, everybody knows that in a crisis you can do that. In a crisis you can do anything you want. And that was the whole thought. Those were the glory days of the left. When COVID was sweeping the land, 600,000 people were dying. Not that they wanted them to die, but they wanted to take advantage of their deaths to manipulate an election, to bust the budget, to break the frontiers of new entitlement programs, uh, to move dramatically towards socialist economy. And they used the crisis to do that. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. All of a sudden, that vaccine stopped it. Uh, the, the death toll did not mount. It dropped. The number of cases dropped. Uh, thank goodness some people didn't want to get vaccinated so they could still yell crisis, but it was a very limited yell. And then the Delta variety came on, even though there's no evidence that it's more dangerous. And if you're vaccinated, it's not going to kill you. You'll be sick for a little bit, but that's it. And no worse than a, a bad flu. And they seized on that to prolong the crisis so that they could use the crisis to spend trillions of dollars to – a huge portion of that money goes into their own pockets uh, through all kinds of circumventions. The, the whole process – this is a living to them, uh, to the congressmen, to the left. This is how they make their money, their personal money. This is how they pay their rent. And their desire to get their hands on this money was so intense that when the virus abated, they were in hardship. But now they've seen a way out by renewing the, the angst, the pain, the suffering, and the feeling that, that time is running out on us. I want to get your point of view on this, uh, 800-848-9222, uh, 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Stevie in New York City. Hey, Stevie. All right, Mr. Morris and the two greatest political strategic minds are now going to engage in a verbal conversation. You said you, uh, called, you called a couple of weeks ago and you said exactly that. Yeah, but it's yeah. true. People yeah. know it. It, it is okay. the truth. Um, the thing I feel about is uh, people are fed up with lockdowns. We basically know the routine. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know people are, will put on a mask if they see a crowd or something. They, there's a lot of people are following that routine. Uh, there are some people still freaked but why, out about crowds. Why do they do it? Why does the left do this? Well, the left does this now because the, the, the hard, the, this is the hard left now I'm talking about. Yeah. They are using this to seize tremendous power inside this country, and, and they are winning this war because the problem with this war is only one side knows it's going on. Yeah. And the thing is, and that's never happened before. By power, you're, is, saying, you're saying win the election. Uh, right. And what else? Do you think they really want restaurants to be closed and movie theaters to be empty and all that? Do you think they really care? I, I think some of them really don't care. Couldn't give a you know what. Some of them are so such hard leftist people that they would love to see people get wiped out. Hardworking people. Yeah. That's the mentality they have. I, I don't but think we, it's that. I think that they. 
I think that they uh, they wanted to win the election, and if they couldn't win it, which they couldn't, they could induce a victory by other means. Uh, but when it comes to locking people down, I don't think they have a lockdown fetish. I think that what they want is to prolong the sense of crisis so they can get their spending bills through. Once they pass this $3.5 trillion spending package and the trillion that they have in the so-called bipartisan package, $4.5 trillion, that is going to so change the nature of the government's relationship with the people that it will never be able to go back. Remember, once you pass an entitlement program, it's forever. We couldn't repeal Obamacare, even when we controlled both houses of Congress and the White House. And we couldn't repeal it because there were 20 or 30 million people who had enrolled in it. And with that kind of enrollment, you couldn't cut it back. Even though you could replace it with something else, you just couldn't touch it. And now they're setting up entitlements for child care, recharging electric batteries, uh, climate change stuff. Uh, they're doing a ban on evictions. They're doing all kinds of stuff that you'll never be able to repeal, and that's their point. They know they're going to lose the election of 2022. They know they're not going to be able to reelect Joe Biden. They know that Kamala Harris has damaged goods and they probably can't reelect him. They probably even know that Donald Trump is coming back. But all of that doesn't matter if they can get their $4.5 trillion through. Let me give you a stat. I shared this with Rudy on his way out today as he finished his show. In 1990, 1980, sorry, one-third of the federal budget went to cash transfer payments, meaning I take from one pocket and I put it into the other, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, all of that. Now it's two-thirds. Two-thirds, and it's going to increase with this bill probably to about three-quarters or even higher. The federal government has become a massive machine not to do anything but to, but to make sure that they redistribute income. And they are not letting a good crisis go to waste, and they're prolonging the good crisis so they can get into all of this stuff. Let's go to, um, let's go to Jim in New Jersey. Hi. Hey, Jim. Hello. Hi, Hi, Dick. How you doing? Good. What's I just up? wanted to cover one point. I didn't hear your entire last segment, but the segment on the vaccine. Uh, I was recently listening uh, uh, in Bannon's war room to uh, Robert W. Malone, who developed the vaccine technology, not the vaccine itself, but the platform yeah. on which the, these vaccines were developed. And his... Um, I got his a minute and a half, so keep going. His, his warning to everyone was that these vaccines, now that we see that the Pfizer vaccine is only good for about six months, actually make it make people more susceptible to the virus. Mm. So the vaccines are counterproductive. Mm. And, and that has uh, been traditional. You don't do a vaccine in the middle of a pandemic because it, in, it, it, well, he cites many examples. I'm not a virologist and, uh, uh, that's what I have to contribute. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll all have to look at that. We'll have to look at the stats and see if that proves out. Fascinating theory, and I thank you for sharing it. 
But make no mistake about it. The reason they are locking everybody down and masking everybody up is to pass their budget-busting bills and extend the entitlement society so it can never be repealed. Singing, we will, we will It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. To the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm one. Vic from Brooklyn has a fascinating question. Let's listen to it. Hey, Vic, you're on. Yeah, hi, Mr. Morris. Hi. I'm uh, just curious. You said uh, you made a statement that with these uh, spending bills, that it comes back to the congressman. Right. I'm curious, how does it come back to these criminals? Because they they run in their community the anti-poverty agencies, the anti-drug agencies, the nutrition agencies. They are all their allies, their friends, and their network. And uh, the money goes to them uh, through the public spending programs. Uh, and that becomes not just a source of gratifying their sense of doing good or even a source of paying off their constituency, it goes directly to them. And you will see, after this package is passed, uh, who are the beneficiaries of the solar power subsidies, which companies are getting the contracts to charge, do charging stations, which are the companies that are going to build wind turbines, who owns their stock, who's invested in them. Look at how Diane Feinstein of California has made tens of millions of dollars by owning stock in the right companies uh, with her husband uh, and feathering her nest with this kind of spending. It takes a little while to research it and to see what happens, but at the end of it, you realize how thoroughly and completely we've been ripped off. Now, there is help coming. There is a solution on the horizon. The era of revenge and taking back this country is upon us. And we are seeing that now with Liz Cheney. Sing it. We will, we will rock you. We will, we will rock you. Liz Cheney up for re-election this year, and the poll numbers are out. She's losing the state of Wyoming where her seat is. She's the at-large congressman for the whole state. By a very narrow margin, 75 to 23. <laughs> you heard that right. 75 to 23. There's still three undecided points. She might soar up to 26. Unbelievable. When you ask people, should Liz Cheney be reelected, it's 19% say yes. When you run her against her most likely opponent, uh, a guy named Chuck Gray, uh, she's 50 points behind, 5-0. The only way she can possibly survive is that there are three or four Republican candidates that are talking about running. If they all get into the race, she'll hold on to a 23% vote share, and it might just be enough to put her over the top. But that's not going to happen. Donald Trump is going to make an endorsement. Hopefully he'll endorse Chuck Gray, but he'll endorse somebody. And whoever he endorses, everybody else should get out of the race, and they'll just be one-on-one against Cheney. Now, if they don't voluntarily get out of the race, their money will dry up and they'll be forced out of the race. So uh, the Donald Trump primaries 
exist now in almost every state, where before you go into the primary, you got to go by Donald Trump. And he either endorses you or he doesn't. And if he doesn't, forget about it. Go into another line of work. Uh, plan to build some, plan to do something else with your year. Uh, don't spend any money because you're not going to win that seat. And uh, thank goodness Trump has done that. And I think it really is terrific. Let's go to Ralph in New Jersey. Hey, Ralph. Hi, Ralph. You know, the, the Biden administration, Biden himself is handling this virus. It leaves a lot to decide. He owns this virus now, hook, line, and sinker. cannot pass blame on someone else regarding this. And he takes the partisan approach. He politicized this to manipulate things uh, his way. Okay, This is still, I'm going to try the last well, I checked. He, I would not be he, he didn't just politicize it, Ralph. He got elected based on it. It was his only issue. Uh, his campaign posters probably had him with a mask on. Uh, he made it his only issue. And he who lives by an issue dies by an issue. Once this virus went up again and came back into play and he failed to stop it and he failed to solve the problem, he was cooked. And you can say there's inflation, there's illegal immigrants coming into the country, you can say there's rising crime, you can say that he's make, he's screwing up at so many different levels, but the thing that is driving his ratings into the toilet is that COVID is back, and he said it wouldn't be. Sounds simplistic, but that's where it's at. Let's go to John in New Jersey. Hey, John. Hello. Hello. Hi, we got you. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say, I think one of the uh, the things the Democrats are really doing with letting people across the border and ramping up the infection rate and ramping up everybody's fear is to push through, justify mandating mail-in balloting in 22. Yeah. And that's what, yeah, you're that's right. My, my opinion. Hey, that's a great point, John. You know, I went back the other day, and I, good point, I went back and looked at the stats. And do you know there was no increase in infections with COVID after Election Day. I mean, they warned us like crazy that as soon as we uh, permitted people to be online to vote, they said very dramatically, they have a choice between voting and staying alive. Uh, If they vote, they risk their lives because they'll get COVID and they'll die. And uh, half of the vote did risk their lives, supposedly, and went went in person to vote. And there was no increase in infections. Slight, slight, maybe, you know, a blip, nothing serious. Uh, so this was all overblown. This whole bit about you had to do mail-in ballots because of COVID was totally and completely phony from the start. And now you're making a great point, uh, which is that it's going to continue into the 22 election and that that's one of the reasons they're hyping concern about the virus. That is a brilliant, brilliant point. Hey, John in Brooklyn, how are you doing? John in Brooklyn. Hi, Mr. Moore. Oh, okay. Pleasure to speak with you. John in Bergen County. Okay, go ahead. Great. Hi, hi Mr. Moore. It's a pleasure to speak with you. To I you. wanted to bring up a point that um, reinforces your point about this spending bill coming through. If you look what happened in 2008 with the financial crisis, that spending basically funded the Democrat agenda for the next decade. Yep. And it looks like that's what they're trying to do now. Yep. That's my only point. It's an absolute honor to speak to you, and I'll wait for your response. Thank oh, you. my response is yay. You're exactly right. Uh, they, they live from emergency to emergency, using them to pad the government spending and using that uh, to build their political base. Absolutely, completely agree. 
Uh, let's go to David, New Jersey. Hey, David. Hey, David. Well, David was on and he asked, how can we contact trace illegal immigrants? And that was a great question. We can't. So we have the door wide open in the southern border. Anybody can come in. Anybody can be here and they don't ask to find out if they're, if they have COVID or not. And at the same time, they're being very finicky about letting Cubans or other refugees who are genuine refugees into the country. Absolutely. Uh, Gary in Staten Island, what's up? Uh, I'm rereading the Black Helicopter book, and I think we could place all this within the content. Go ahead, Dick. Did you want to say something? No, go ahead. Yeah, we we could place all of this within the context of the globalist drive, yep. the world government crowd, the UN lover yep. crowd who want to defeat U.S. sovereignty. You're, you're right, Gary. The World Health let me, Organization. Let me, uh, uh, let me uh, amplify that a little bit. I just have a minute, and I appreciate you raising that. It's a book that uh, was, was on the bestseller list for a couple of weeks, but not one of my huge sellers, but it's one of the most important books I've ever written and prescient. It's called Here Come the Black Helicopters, and it's about the globalists imposing their agenda. In 1968, they set up the Club of Rome, which was leaders of the world, uh, Kissinger, Trudeau, um, all kinds of uh, Chirac, all kinds of global leaders. And they said, we want world government. And the reason, way we're going to get world government is we're going to take a crisis that requires an international response and use this to supersede nations and push for one world government. And they said, it doesn't have to be a real crisis. It can be a fabricated crisis. And let's choose global warming and climate change to do that. And they set about making climate change the issue and affecting everybody, endangering the planet. And with that as an excuse, they are pushing through all kinds of measures to eliminate sovereignty and create one world government. And it's because they don't trust the electorate, they don't trust voters, they only trust themselves, the scientists, the the bureaucracy, the elite, the educated, and they do not trust the great unwashed. And uh, that's what's going on now in this country. Thank you so much for calling about that. This is the Dick Morris Show on 77 WABC. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I wonder what it is I should do. There is a whole new way of restrictions on the police that are being passed uh, in the state of Washington. Uh, it's a trial balloon. And if you want to peer into the future of what they're going to do to cops, uh, look at the state of Washington and the stuff they've already passed and has been signed into law. It's very dramatic and it's very, very scary. The state legislature has changed the standard that a cop has to use to decide to arrest someone or to pursue them from uh, from probable from uh, suspicion to probable cause. 
right now on suspicion of a crime in most states, you can arrest someone and you can hold them and you can even pursue them. But in Washington state, you need probable cause. Probable cause is the thing that lawyers erect as a way of throwing out arrests that have happened in the past where there was not actual probable cause. It is such a high standard that you're basically asking a police officer to be a detective, investigate the crime, and understand everything about it. And if he fails, uh, he's going to – if he fails to do that, uh, the, the arrest will be dismissed, the case will be dropped, and it will be over. And more importantly, the law provides – that if you make a false arrest and if you use violence in that arrest, you, the police officer, are individually liable, individually liable for damages, uh, civil damages, which means when you arrest someone and you use force, you're risking your house, your job, your pension, your entire family, your whole financial future. And these are not wealthy men and women. These are people who are making a working man's salary, and uh, have uh, limited savings, and they can be completely wiped out by this bill. Uh, the bill also sets up a whole variety of bans on non-lethal weaponry. We're really happy that police have non-lethal alternatives, like tasers and and stun guns and uh, and bean bags and rubber bullets and stuff like that. And this law bans most of them, tear gas. It makes it illegal to use that stuff. So they can't use tear gas. They can't use rubber bullets. They can't use bean bags that they shoot through shotguns. Uh, they can't use any of those non-lethal techniques. And they obviously can't use their guns and shoot somebody. So they're left with gentle persuasion. <laughs> and they also can't really uh, go after a suspect physically because they'll be liable for damages. And that is the environment that the state of Washington is imposing now on police officers. I'd like to hear from Mike, who is from Long Beach, who has, is a retired police officer, and what he thinks about that. Oh, yes. Hello, Mr. Morris. Thank you for hey. taking my call. Thanks for calling. Um, initially, I called you about the um, the ongoing gun violence in, in America. And right. a recent study by the London Institute found 70% of these, these guys doing the shootings are from gangs or recidivists and have an average of 11 arrests of war. Oh, my God. And it's my, it's my take that the left and the Democrats want this to continue to chip away at and destroy our Second Amendment, and that's exactly what they're doing. And, mm -hmm. and as far as what you just mentioned about stopping people, I was an anti-crime cop under Giuliani Good for and you. Ray Kelly. Reasonable suspicion is that you suspect someone is committing, has committed, or is about to commit a crime. So then we would be watching someone, let's say. We then would approach them. We'd have the right to question, to stop, question, and or possibly frisk them based on that suspicion. Then from there, we'd build it up to probable cause to arrest if we found a gun on them, let's say. If we found, or someone walked up and said, that guy just robbed me, let's say. That, there's your PC. That's your probable cause. Just what you alluded to, that a, a detective, that comes later. That, that's the investig investigative portion of a case. But a street cop is doing the investigation right there on the street. That's your desk. Your, your patrol car is your desk, and the street is your desk. 
and that's where you're doing it, and that's where it's happening, and you've got to cross the T's, dot the I's, to, because you know you're going to go to court later. Now, if you had probable back. causes, the if you uh, had to have probable cause before you stopped someone and frisked them, you'd never no, be no, able no, to no, do no. it, right? No, 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 Mr. Morris. That reasonable suspicion, they're two different levels. I know, I know. I'm saying that the oh, yes, that, yes, that I'm you, sorry. if it yes. were probable cause, he could never do it. No, well, probable cause is, 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 is the holy grail. Once you have probable yeah. cause, then, then you're getting the, the bracelets out. <laughs> and I, you're arresting somebody. That's it. And I, I know. The, you're right. But the point is, in Washington State and all over, they want to raise the bar to probable cause. So you, know, you can only establish probable cause, like you said, after you frisk someone and you find that they have a gun or someone comes up to you and says, this guy just robbed me. But when you first see the guy, uh, you reasonable suspicion is enough. Now it's not going to be enough. But basically, let's get to the fundamental point. The left wants to take guns away from everybody who won't use them. <laughs> they want to take guns away from hunters and from sportsmen. But when it comes to taking guns away from criminals who are going to use these guns to kill people and rob people, they don't want to go near that. They don't want to touch it. And instead, they celebrate violence. They celebrate the killings uh, because it strengthens the case, in their view, for gun control. And they keep mistaking the enemy. They say the enemy is a piece of metal. It's not. It's a fleshed finger that pulls the trigger on the piece of metal. Russell in White Plains, I was interested in your question. I, I did not know he was still, Bob Moses was still alive, much less that he just died. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, he died a week ago, July 24th, Saturday, wow. Dick. Let me and explain called- to people who Robert Moses is, and then I'll let you go on. Okay. Robert Moses built New York City. Oh, uh, no, Dick? Yeah. It's Bob Moses, the black guy who was at Stuyvesant oh, High I'm School. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I okay. should have made it clear to your screener. Okay. I'm sorry. And, and I've, called, I've called about the Freedom Summer of 1964 when you and Jerry Nadler went down south. Right. With, with many other northerners, and you put your body on the line to show that black lives mattered 57 years ago, Dick. Yeah, right. And but, but I'm calling to, to because I heard that Bob Moses, a fellow oh, along yeah. this, died yeah, right. last day, and he That's devoted cool. his life to teaching young black children algebra. Good. That's what he did with his life. But, right. you know, I just wanted to thank you again, Dick, because, you know, his strategy was to get people to pay attention to what was going on down south by yep. putting white people you know, down in the firing line. Yeah. And I just want to thank you for doing that. Dick. Absolutely. That was so sweet of you to call up. Sorry, I misunderstood you. Uh, Gloria in Westchester, what's up? Yes, I told your screener that some months back, I heard President Biden say that he was considering uh, displaying Black Lives Matter's flag from our embassies all over the world. I've heard nothing since, have you? No, I haven't. But you know the uh, that the Major League Baseball, or is it football? I think football, has agreed to play the Black Lives Matter national anthem uh, at their games. Uh, there apparently is a song that they've adopted as their national anthem. And now all football games and all Major League Baseball games, one or the other, I forget which, are going to have that song inflicted on us. How incredible. Uh, let's go to Adam in Florida. How are you, Adam? Hey, how you doing, Dick? Doing great. 
A question. Um, they they want to charge these cops, you know, for doing their job and protecting the American people, which I, you know, I support uh, fully. But how about the judges, these liberal judges that allow these people to walk free and then commit worse crimes than they were charged for? Well, Adam, what's going on on that is it's more complicated and even even worse. Uh, in the nineteen nineties. Uh, we had a tremendous problem, which was judges letting people go free. And they would literally give them slaps on the wrist. And at that point, legislation passed that was co-sponsored by the entire United States Senate. It passed 99 to nothing. The lead sponsors were Jesse Helms, the most conservative, and Ted Kennedy, the most liberal senator. And they provided for mandatory minimum sentences and that were the sentence could not be determined by a judge, but by the law itself. And the law provided if you have a certain amount of cocaine, certain amount of, of uh, stolen merchandise, a certain amount of other stuff, you go to jail for set amounts of time. And it tied the judge's hands in terms of discretion. It led to some injustices, uh, particularly you have cases where uh, some girlfriend was roped into driving a car, a uh, getaway vehicle, and she didn't know that, and she ends up spending her life in prison, horrible things like that. But the point is that it's ended this kind of wild judicial discretion that had completely eviscerated the idea of punishment suiting the crime. Now Biden has made that a central element of his agenda, and states all over the country are repealing the mandatory minimum sentencing bill. And this revolving door where people are arrested and released right back onto the street is in full force. And that is absolutely terrible. Now, we are witnessing unbelievable inflation going on. And uh, it's about to re move past uh, any reasonable level of inflation. And it's directly caused by the spending. In a recent poll that was taken, which said that 59% of the American people believe that Biden's spending policies are directly the cause of inflation, uh, which is an incredible finding. When you find that an overwhelming majority of the country feel that something is causing something as fundamental as inflation, that creates an unbelievable political dynamic. not a beautiful balloon that's going up, up, and away, but probably the price of the balloon is going up, up, and away. And uh, that's what we're witnessing now. So why are the Democrats doing it? Why are they spending this kind of money, uh, even though they know that it's going to cause inflation? Well, you got I got the question backwards just then. They are spending this kind of money to cause inflation. They want to cause inflation. Their goal is inflation. The only way they can possibly afford with spending they've done is through inflation. It's called monetizing the debt is what economists call it. In other words, you build up the debt to a point where it's close to $30 trillion and we can't possibly pay it. You get to a point where the budget deficit in one year is 2 or $3 trillion and we can't possibly bridge that gap. There's only one way to pay that. There's only one way out of it. And that's inflation. 
you inflate the currency to a point where it becomes worth less and less, and therefore your debt goes down. We cut the national debt by 12% last year. It wasn't through any great policy or any great savings plan or any great budget cut. It was simply that inflation went up by 12% last year. The dollar lost 12% of its value. So the debt dropped by 12% in real dollars. And that is the recipe of the Democratic Party for their governance. On the one hand, they tell people, hey, look at me. I'm giving you all kinds of goodies, all kinds of wonderful things uh, to live. We're giving you no evictions. We're giving you uh, free health care. We're giving you expanded welfare benefits. We're giving everything in the world. But then on the other hand, we're taking it away by raising prices uh, so that we're we're subtracting from your income. Last year, wages went up by 5.6%. Whoopee. But inflation went up by three and a half percent. So the total price, the total wage increase was less than two points, uh, because inflation ate it all up. And what the Democrats are doing now is deliberately spending money to hype inflation, because inflation reducing the value of the dollar is the only way out for them. Monetize the debt. Don't think that this is an unintended consequence. Don't think that this is an evil result of a misguided policy. It's not. It's a policy that's working perfectly. It's causing inflation. And spending can only be met by inflation. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. So first, I just want to recap what we've covered in this show because it's very important. The first point that I made is that the reason that the left wants to do these lockdowns is because they want to create a sense of crisis, a sense that the, that the COVID is still with us, still a lethal crisis, and still justifies the massive spending that they are plan- that they are planning and trying to enact. They know that they can't do it without the sense of crisis. And Rahm Emanuel said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. And the corollary of that was that when there is no good crisis, make hyper-crisis out of something that might plausibly become one. And that's what people are doing now with the Delta variety of the virus. The second point that I made that I think is very important is that the reason that the left is that the reason the left is causing inflation because of its massive spending is that it wants to cause inflation. It's in favor of inflation. The only way it can possibly pay for the social spending that it's gone through is inflation. It needs to reduce the value of the dollar so that the dollars that it's spending can be repaid with cheaper dollars, dollars that have less value. They cut the national debt last year by 12%. They didn't pay 12% into the Treasury, but they cut the value of the dollar by 12% so that your debt became 12% less. Uh, Key points. Now, uh, Joe has an interesting thought from New York about Eastern Europe that I'd love to hear. Right. Well, uh, I was going to mention that as well as something else. Regarding the regression that's been going on, uh, since the departure of uh, 
President Donald Trump, right? right, right. Now, everything that uh, is happening is exactly what Trump would never have done. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, uh, Politically, okay. that's a key point, Joe, because... So it's some sort of a, uh, a malice of foretold action yeah. on the part of uh, right, the administration. And, and also, yeah. also that everybody knows there was no inflation, there was very little crime. And there was, and there was no ongoing illegal immigration till Trump left office. Now it's all happening under Biden, and they know who to blame. But you had a point about Eastern Europe and immigration. I was order, anxious to hear. Uh, right. Uh, in order to correct the problems, you know, uh, uh, that are going to multiply uh, by the time the administration leaves office three and a half years from today. You know, it would take how many clones of Donald Trump, including himself, to alleviate the no, past just, disaster? Just, just take situation. Donald Trump. Just take Donald Trump. You think so? Yeah, you I think, think so? so. Absolutely. Uh, I think so um, let's go to Bill in Connecticut. Hey, Bill. Hi. Um, what I wanted to say was the economic damage that has been caused by this COVID virus throughout the world, uh, and it was done by China. Somehow China should be made to pay for this and uh, short of war. But I think we should also go in there and, and disable all of their uh, laboratories that are making this kind of uh, activity, because I believe it was deliberate. And this is a form of germ warfare. And they certainly should be required to pay for it. Well, I agree with both halves of that. Uh, in terms of the uh, the bio labs, the key thing here is to prove that they did this. Uh, right now, we're at a point where we know that the change of function research that took these relatively less deadly viruses and made them into serious killers that could easily transmit and cause a pandemic was deliberate, that their goal was to do that, and they succeeded. Eureka, a breakthrough for science. Now we need to have people understand that they it leaked because of at least human error and perhaps a deliberate effort. But my point is, what the hell was China doing making a virus like this in the first place? It's like the old Frankenstein movies. Why would you create Frankenstein in the first place? Now, in terms of China paying for it, we don't have to invade. We don't have to have a war. There are two things we could do right away that would begin the process of China paying reparations for what it did. The first is that we have debt payments due to China uh, of, of a substantial amount each year. I think that's in the range of two or three hundred billion a year. Uh, we could suspend those debt payments. We could stop paying off the debt. Now, that'll say it'll hurt our credit rating and stuff like that, but not if we make clear that the reason we're doing this is because of the virus. And it's not just that we're being irresponsible and not paying our debts. It's that we are punishing China by taking this money away from them. And the second is that we could increase tariffs on China. We now have a 25% tariff that Trump imposed. At 100%, uh, it wouldn't kill our economy. We would suffer a little bit. The supply lines would have bottlenecks. They do now. They would get a little worse. But nothing substantial. We didn't lose much GDP growth because of the sanctions we imposed before, and we wouldn't if we did it again. And those two measures could generate over a trillion dollars a year uh, that would be effective reparations for what China did to us. Um, let's go to Stu in Bay Ridge. Hey, good afternoon. Hey, Stu. Six, six, 60 years ago, I was a young officer on a ship called the USS San Marcos. 
I brought the landing craft to the beach that was used as a Bay of Pigs the wow. morning of the operation. Wow. Those boats were still approaching the beach while people who were involved uh, at the decision-making and military, civilians, were still trying to decide what the heck to do. Yep. There was no certainty about anything. Yep, that particularly the airstrikes. I think it's still, uh, still going on in Washington. And we are a nation out of control. And it's impacting everything, every which way. The economy, the military, our defense, the situation. Well, it's what happens. On on. It is frightening. It's what happens when you elect a president, a guy who is demented uh, and is senile on top of it. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Joe in Westchester. Tell, hi, Joe. Hi, Mr. Morris. Uh, just a quick comment regarding your um, um, financing of the debt and using the debt to get their agenda through. Right. The short-sightedness of this, and the business community is also foolish to do this, is, is that they are, they are uh, damaging the uh, status of the United States currency as the reserve currency of the world. And in the long term, if they lose that status to China or another maker, most likely China, they will not be able to print money to afford their programs and all their other goodies that they wish to have. That's my Brilliant point, Joe. Absolutely accurate. Uh, China is trying to replace the dollar as the global currency. Uh, want, they want the yuan, their currency, to be the global currency. And whoever gets the global currency, whoever has that, we've had it since the Bretton Woods Conference in 1944, gets the right to print their own money uh, and to print and that money to be accepted throughout the world. Uh, every other currency has to measure itself against that currency. And uh, we are endangering it. But I'll tell you something more important, Joe. We're not just endangering the dollar as the reserve currency. We are endangering the whole notion of paper money. We are endangering the whole idea that you can print paper money and that that will be worth something. And increasingly, we're re- we're risking a situation where where we may be unable really to use paper money as an instrument of commerce. Already, if you look at the signs, there are so many areas in which barter, good for good, has become the currency of the world. Frequent flyer miles are used as a currency. Uh, coupons in supermarkets. Uh, there are all kinds of situations where the where money is no longer used. In many commercial transactions, bitcoins and cyber currencies are used, which is essentially the privatization of money, taking government out as an intermediary in creating money. And uh, that presages an economy completely out of control in which we can't do anything in the way in the realm of public policy. Uh, it's a very, very scary situation and one that we're confronting. So remember, as we go into this week, two things. Number one, the left is causing inflation because it's the only way to pay off their spending. And number two, the left wants to reimpose mask and other mandates so that it can gin up a sense of crisis and use that sense of crisis to pass legislation spending even more money. It's not a desire to keep us bond, bound and gagged. It's a desire to sanction their passage of emergency legislation.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 